Welcome to podcast number 41 for Thanks for Your Service. Thanks for Your Service is a news and information resource and its focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian military. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net and you can email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. At the end of World War I, Britain gave Australia six J-class submarines. One of those subs, the J-7, exists today at the Sandringham Yacht Club in Port Phillip Bay in Melbourne. Let's find out more about the J-7. And joining us on the line from Melbourne is Graeme Disney, historian at the Sandringham Yacht Club. Graeme, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, for those not familiar with the Sandringham Yacht Club, where is it? Well, it's um, one of uh, Victoria's major yacht clubs. It's on um, the east side of Port Phillip, about 25 kilometres from Melbourne City. Um, the, the club is built on a, a projection called Picnic Point, and uh, the club uses part of the Sandringham Harbour for its marina. Now, I understand that the, the club actually traces its origins back to 1903. Can you tell us a little of its history? Yes, it's an interesting history. Uh, it traces its um, beginnings back to 1903 to the Port Phillip Yacht Club, um, which was started by a yachtsman called Arthur Peck in 1903. Um, he was a member of the Royal Yacht Club on the other side of the bay, and he felt there was uh, a need for one on this side of the bay, and he called together uh, people interested in yachting, and they formed the um, Port Phillip Yacht Club. Arthur Peck was a well-known yachtsman. He had um, lots of sailing experience, racing and cruising. He was an architect, and uh, he's probably best known because he designed the uh, clock towers in St Kilda beside the, uh, the beach road. Um, the club joined the Yachting Association, which meant that it was only available for yachts for membership. You couldn't join with any other sort of boat. It had to be a, they were purists and had to be yachts. So about eight years later, in 1911, um, another local, Duncan McKenzie, uh, who interestingly enough was also an architect, uh, he was government architect and responsible for many of our state schools in the built in the early 1900s, including Hampton State. And he saw a need for a yacht club that allowed any boats, be they sail or power or people even who um, had boats they rode for angling and so on. And so he, he started the, uh, um, the Sandringham Yacht and Angling Club. After a year, they realised that... Um, it wasn't quite the right description. They changed his name to Sandingham Yacht Club. And um, so the two clubs ran side by side and had lots of races. Um, Port Phillip still not allowing anything but yachts and Sandingham allowing any boat at all. They were friendly rivals and they joined together in fundraising to build wooden breakwaters um, that protected the boats anchored in the, in the harbour. In 1931, a disastrous fire des destroyed the Port Phillip Club and the Sandingham York Club said, well, you're welcome to use our premises, which actually were a bit larger than the, 
what Philip Club had been, they realised that that was the way to go, and so they combined. There was long discussion about what they would call a new club. Uh, of course, some wanted Sandringham Yacht Club, some wanted Port Phillip, and also over the Burgee. The final agreement was to call the club Sandringham Yacht Club, but to accept the older Burgee of Port Phillip Yacht Club, which is a white Burgee with a red diagonal. Um, I can't count how many members have said to me over the years as the historian, why did they do it back to front? We should be Port Phillip Yacht Club, which is a more prestigious name, and we should have kept the Sandringham Burgee, which was a brilliant Australian gold with a with a wattle yellow cross. But anyway, we're Sandringham Yacht Club, and we've got the white and red Burgee. In the 1930s, the club, the Sandringham Yacht Club, had an interesting breakwater erected. What was it? Well, the uh, wooden breakwaters were effective to a degree, but there was still an area, particularly from the southwest, where big storms swept in. Uh, there were some notable ones in the Brighton Cyclone in 1919 and a few others um, around that time. And it was realised that something else needed to be done, probably more substantial than the wooden breakwaters they'd been building. And um, so at that time, the... Uh, HMVS Cerberus was made redundant and paid off by the Navy um, and uh, she was put up for sale. The Sandy members decided that that was the way to go, that the club would buy her and scuttle her. The price was £150 and the Commodore went across to Williamstown, walked in waving his cheque, only to find that 10 minutes before two um, members of Black Rock Yacht Club had been there and put put a deposit um, on the uh, on the ship instead. So to cut a long story short, it was uh, taken and scuttled in Half Moon Bay to protect the yachts of Black Rock Yacht Club. So um, when the J class submarines came on the market, when the, the Navy decided to scrap them, um, Sandringham put up their hand for the J seven. So that was brought across, and they brought it in 1929, it was brought across in 1930, and it was scuttled on the stone reef beside the wooden breakwaters, and that completed a semicircular um, <clears throat> protection of the yacht anchorages. Now, can you tell us a little about the history of the J-class subs and how they came to Australia? Yes, so very interesting. The um, um, during the latter part of the First World War, rumours got around and reached the ears of the Royal Navy in, in Britain that the Germans were developing and building a very superior sort of submarine, which was going to be far ahead technically of anything that was available. That spooked the British, and so they <coughs> they designed the J-class submarines. Um, which were well ahead of anything else. Turned out that the uh, um, the story about the German ones was a furphy anyway. It was put about by the Germans as part of their strategy. But the British went ahead and built the J-class, and uh, they were um, really pretty much uh, ahead of anything else 
that uh, had been built before. Uh, they decided to build eight. They ended up building seven of them, and they lost one due to a, one of the greatest mistakes, disasters of World War One, where one of their own ships sank J6. But um, they they were very big. They had uh, they displaced 1,700 tons submerged. They were 275 feet long, which was 100 feet longer than any previous submarine. Um, they were powered by three 12-cylinder diesels, about 3,600 horsepower for use on the surface, and an electric motor of 1,350 horsepower submerged. They could do a maximum of 19.5 knots on the surface. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing for that time. They could also do 9.5 knots submerged. Um, they, they carried five officers and four seamen, and they were armed with six 18-inch torpedo tubes and one 4-inch gun, and they had a range of 4,000 miles. Again, that's just... That's gobsmacking for that time. Um, so the, uh, at the end of the war, the British government made a gift to the Royal Australian Navy of um, the six subs and a couple of ships. And uh, they were brought out here. They arrived in Australia in pretty poor shape. J3 broke its prop, main prop and uh, had to go into South Africa and it was towed back to here and the others were knocked around a bit and so the government was thrilled to get them but uh, I don't think they were too thrilled by the uh, um, the cost of re- refurbishing them. However, that was done. They put them uh, into action. They realised not too far down the track that they were pretty expensive. The war was over and there was a push to scrap them. That's what was done. They took J1 um, they stripped it and, and it, it was sunk about um, in 36 metres of water outside the head. J2 is in about 40 metres of water outside the head. J3 broke its towing cable and it's beached on the side of Swan Island and it's still visible today. Um, J4 uh, is also outside the heads in 26 metres of water and J5 is sunk nearby it. I've heard from divers who go to them. They're in various states of, of uh, survival, but they're pretty deep, far too deep for me to be thinking about diving. J6, as I said, was lost in action. She was um, sunk in the North Sea almost at the end of the First World War. Um, she was actually shadowing a, a, um, a merchant ship, which she thought was suspicious and she thought she was probably a German ship and it was armed but disguised as a merchantman. But they weren't sure enough to torpedo, torpedo it. So they surfaced <clears throat> and um, they men ran, ran to the gun and, and they uh, challenged it. But um, it actually was a British cruise ship, the Symrick, and uh, the, the crew of that dropped away the cardboard um, blinds Closing a big gun, and they fired on the J6 and sank it. You can imagine how appalled they were when they rescued 15 men to find that they were British sailors and 30 men were lost. 
So that was the end of J6. J7 at that stage was still being built. She was the last to be built. They decided as the war ended not to build uh, J8. <clears throat> J7 ended uh, uh, service just towards the end of the war and she's the one that eventually found a home at, at Sandringham. When they were with the Royal Navy, did they actually see any action during the First World oh, yes. War apart from J6? Uh, yes, apparently they all did, but nothing spectacular. Uh, a bit of torpedoing, and one of them, I think, uh, sank a, a U-boat. But uh, yes, they saw action and were considered quite successful. But they didn't see any action here, of course, because they came in the interwar period and... Uh, uh, we don't have a really, really good record with submarines, do we? We, we had two in the First World War, A1 and A2. And, and both uh, were lost. Was, mm. Yeah, one was lost in uh, near New Guinea and the other one was lost in the Dardanelles. <laughs> then we had the, the six of these, which gave us endless trouble. And Many years ago, you also snorkelled around J7. What is her condition today? Well, <clears throat> much uh, deteriorated from then. She was... Um, when I was a teenager, she was fairly sound, and we used to go out to her on our paddle boards. <clears throat> We'd take the girls out for something exciting for them to see a real submarine, because you couldn't get to her from the land. Um, we'd walk across the deck, which had some rusted holes in it, but part of the conning tower was still there, and all the footings from where the four-inch gun had been. And she, <clears throat> she was very rusted, but if you went over the side with your snorkel and flippers, just reached down a foot or so under the surface, got your knife and scraped off the barnacles and weed, you, you were um, faced with pristine grey-painted steel. And she was protected by all the growth. But I don't know how she'd be underwater today, but she's certainly, um, although she's not battered by storms as she was because she's made redundant by the building of a big stone breakwater that surrounds the bay now, um, but um, she's just a, a basic framework and uh, she's in pretty poor shape. We, um, we built our um, new marina around her um, a few years ago and we asked the contractor <clears throat> if he could see the propellers. They were under the sand. Well, there were three propellers. One's deep under the sand. Uh, one was stolen. We know uh, that was stolen some years ago. Uh, character stole it and sold it for scrap. Um, the other one was under the sand and uh, Kevin Johnson, the contractor, sucked the sand out and he cut it off. And so we've mounted that at the entrance to our marina. A lot of people come and call in to have a look at that, particularly people who've come down to the club to visit to have a look at the sub itself. But the sub itself is now, um, well, as you can see from the photo, it's a rusted framework. Uh, we purposely built the floating marina with um, our old fixed marina used to spread across it and we built a floating pontoon alongside it and that's so people who are interested in submarines and naval history can walk the full length and have a good look at it uh, after seeing the prop down at the entrance. And is the is the J7 available to view from the public, or is it for uh, for club members only, or what's the access to it today? Well, you need to be a member to get access to the marina, but it's just a matter of um, asking a member to let you through, explain that you 
want to have a look at the sub and the members will, will do that without any worry. Um, if there are no members around at the marina entrance, entrance, we've got a small bar and outdoor eating area and the staff there, I'm sure, would open the, uh, the glass doors and just uh, put a touch button on them and they open. Uh, or if that happens to be closed and there's no members around, anyone can go to the front office and explain what they want and uh, they're quite happy to let people through so they can have a look at it. So it's not a problem. And the and the Yacht Club has a little bit of a history of the J7 on your website, which we'll post a link to. But that's, uh, again, a fascinating insight into a, a little bit of Australian military history and the Royal Australian Navy and the, and the J-class subs that uh, the UK gave to us after first after the First World War. Uh, Graeme, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and, and giving us an insight into the, into the J7. You're most welcome, David, and thank you for your interest. That's the podcast for today. You can find the relevant links for this podcast on our Facebook page. And we're keen to hear your feedback. Leave a comment on our Facebook page, and if you're listening to us via iTunes or other podcast apps, please leave a review. You can help support this podcast via Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee. The links are on our website and our Facebook page. Your support helps us with the production of this podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>